0: Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the sixth and last class of Good God, Bad World, the seventh, yes, seventh petition. Uh, let's begin on your handout and also on the screen is our opening prayer. Together? O Lord, o Lord my, my maker and protector, protector what it shall please thee to continue me in this world, where much is to be done and little is to be, done, is to be known, teach me by thy Holy Spirit to withdraw my, my mind from unprofitable and dangerous inquiries, from difficulties vainly and curious and doubts impossible to be solved. Let me rejoice in the light which thou hast imparted. Let me serve thee with active zeal and Mm -hmm. humble confidence and wait with patient expectation for the time in which the soul which thou hast received shall be satisfied with knowledge. Amen. And that last phrase refers to us when we uh, will be known even as we we have been known. Um, For those of you who were at the Early service, uh, what was the first thing that Pastor suggested that we give up the Holy Week? Wow. Yeah. Doubt? yes. And, and so when it says, and doubt's impossible to solve, you know, give it up. I mean, it's just, um, it's not, not worth your time. But the question is, uh, I don't believe that our discussions have been unprofitable. Or dangerous. I really don't. I think by facing some of these face-on, we are able to let the light of God's gospel and His hope to shine in some very dark places and to counter our doubt. Uh, on Monday evening, we had a group that gathered at Panera, and amazingly, uh, we used the time quite efficiently within. Uh, Thirty <coughs> minutes, uh, and Elizabeth Keller is to be credited with that. We were at five thirty, our meeting kind time. Of almost everybody was there. We started chit chatting, and Elizabeth says, "I need to leave at six <laughs> And it was like everybody reset their clock, and at 6.15 we were wrapping up, and 6.20 we were walking out of the area. so thank you for, for helping us do that. Um, also, on the top of your handout you see 9.30 to 10.45. Uh, that was a suggestion of this group that because of the things that we want to cover that they said um, could we go for an extra 15 minutes. If you need to leave at 10.30, give kids fine, no problem. But uh, just again to set your internal clock, uh, we will we we'll be going hopefully uh, depending upon the conversation. Uh, so, uh, on the picture uh, from left, i just want to uh, call these people up uh, John Falk, Elizabeth, Philip, myself, Judy Oliver, who's away this weekend, Teddy Hansen, right there. Uh, and then Kevin Carlin, uh, Jim Levy, my wife Judy, and
2: um, Linda Winterhoff.
1: And in the very back, right behind Warren. Judy, is Warren Winterhoff. So that that was the crew that uh, put together this class. And as I told Philip, I said, when we originally thought of that, I thought that uh, by doing this, it would be a real easy class class, <laughs> you know, because we wouldn't have to do... I worked harder on this <laughs> class, <laughs> putting together the things that were requested um, as a way than I've worked on, on many Bible classes. So, um, so their suggestions was this. Um, number one, review each class session with summary points of how the class related to the theme, Good God, Bad World, the Seventh Petition. So we will do that. Number two, we will have table groups discuss a scenario that we've written two scenarios in which intractable suffering or horrific events demands a response from those who believe in an all-powerful, all-loving God. And uh, Caitlin Butcher? She's responsible for those scenarios. Oh, my. <laughs> <are> produce, <laughs> produce a general default response for use when confronted with a situation which evil and suffering demand a response. It was suggested that maybe something like the drop, drop, and roll. You know, we teach children, and we've all been taught, if you're on fire, stop, drop, and roll. So we thought maybe we could come up with something that would be as catchy and memorable as that. We failed in that, but we gave it an honest try, and we have L-I-V-E. And that is uh, there's several people weighed in on that, but Winter, Winter, Linda Winterhoff is the one that finally gave us the final uh, structure on that. Um, provide suggested readings or an annotated bibli- bibliography. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that Dr. Swenson has available, but we were not willing to make it generally available because of copyright. However, I think if people ask you you can easily
2: can, forward yeah. the link. I don't mind violating copyright maybe. I wonder what.
1: So as, as soon as we did that, I'm sure we okay uh And then personal statements by Dr. Phil and the other Dr. Phil on how they relate to the theme Good God Backwood. And we both have prepared statements that will include the class. With. So that's where, <coughs> that's where we're headed. Uh, once again, uh, the objectives that were stated, um, um uh, let, let's go back because I want to go through the objectives. Um, okay. Um, and that, and this is on your handout. Um, when we worked on this even before Christmas last year and then the spring, Our objectives were that class participants would have been introduced to the challenges that the problem of evil presents to society and government, uh, the philosopher, that Phil, the theologian, this Phil, and the Christian, all of us. That participants would be able to articulate the mainstreams of Old Testament and New Testament theology as an explanation of and response to evil. Uh, And... and, uh, We'll have been introduced to the primary philosophical arguments about a good God and a bad world, and that is where our, uh, where we take the four, session two, three, four, and five, and we'll try to provide some summary statements for each of them that maybe you can take some notes on, or, or put uh, put some memory tags where you can remember. Uh, understand the importance of theodicy for the Christian, and I can't. Uh, underscore that enough. You know, we we live in a in a world where there's a lot of rough roads. The sermon this morning, "Rough Road." Um, it's it's as Scott Peck, in his book "The Road Less Traveled," said. Uh, his opening words are, "Life is difficult, and and it is." And so, a theodicy in terms of how we can uh, talk about God in a way that's Hopeful. And then finally, um, a um, well-celebrate life with a well-seasoned skepticism and an intrepid hope. Um, Intrepid. um, Isn't there a starship named Intrepid? uh, Judy again asked me this morning what that (laughs) word means, and it means courageous, bold, without fear, intrepid. So we live with a courageous hope. Um, before we get started, are there um, any questions or comments so far? Okay. Summary statements How sessions two to five relate to the theme Good God, Bad World. Session two
2: The mm-hmm. Philosophical Arguments, The Problem of Evil. Good. So the, so the basic problem of evil says look, um, If there were an all-good, all-powerful God, we wouldn't expect to see the type of evil we see in the world, but we do see these evils that are hard to explain, that seem really bad, right? Um, So there isn't an all-good, all-powerful God. So that's the basic um, version of the argument. Um, So remember, William Rowe motivated with his fawn scenario, where a fawn... Uh, far away from any humans, is burned in a fire and suffers. And the thought, well, why not why didn't God just take away the suffering of the fawn? Why, you know, um, but well, but we could think about many types of evils where it seems hard to see why a uh, good God would, would allow allow that evil. So we talked about um, a few different uh, responses. So one is just uh, so a free will uh, response says, look, there's this great value to free will. And that's why uh, God allows the possibility of evil, because if you allow free will, you'll allow the possibility of evil. A related one was the soul-building response that says, look, um, uh, evil allows us the opportunity to like, you know, build our soul, develop character by persevering through hardships, uh, dealing with temptation, things like that. So evil allows for the possibility of, of uh, character-building. Right? So that was a uh, couple of responses we talked about. Uh, another one was this um, extended free will defense, if, if you remember this. So this, you could call it the rescue defense, right? Here's the, the idea here is, look, there's this thing, this choice God really wants us to make. He wants us to choose union with Him, right? But, you know, we're kind of, we're bad, right? We're, we're, we're want, we want to go our own way. We don't want to choose union with God. So if God just pre- prevented all evils for us anyway, we would be content with our lot. We'd say, hey, things are pretty good. There's no evil. I don't really need to choose. I don't need to sort of surrender to God choose union with God. So God sort of withdraws his hand a bit and allows evil to come into the world so that we um, will see that we need uh, God and, and, and we'll be more likely to choose union with God. So that was the extended free will uh, defense. Um and another one um, is called, uh, called skeptical theism, right? Skeptical theism goes off this idea: Look, you shouldn't expect to know. Uh, you shouldn't expect to know why God is doing what God's doing. Think how much smarter God is than you, right? Think how much more an omniscient, an all-knowing being would know than you know. You just shouldn't be surprised when you can't see the reason why God allows. So it's not just that we don't see the reason. It's that we shouldn't expect to see the reason. Um, and so it's just not surprising. And we shouldn't think, oh, God must not exist because we don't see the reason. Because even if there were a God, we wouldn't expect to see a reason uh, to allow evil. Okay, so those are some of the uh, responses we covered um, in that second uh, session. Yeah. Is that kind
1: of a good summary? Yeah. 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 Center. Okay. Uh, I have I have a response to that. I I looked. There were two I think extended handouts for the second class and for the fourth class that you provided, Mm -hmm. and on those, um, I the. The, the God of Islam, the God of Abraham, and the God of the New Testament is not mentioned. Um, and in other words, it, it seems that these have to do with a generic God mm-hmm. rather than tied with any of the gods of the Abrahamic faiths. Um, and how at what point, because I believe at one point philosophy was defined by the Christian faith uh, for the Western philosophy, at what time did the transcendent God, or the God of Abraham Isaac um, when did that disappear in philosophical conversation
2: yeah, okay so, are you thinking like there's the God, there's the generic all-good, all-powerful, all-knowing God, and that isn't the God of the Bible? Or are you thinking the Bible just teaches us more about that? Because I would say that is the God of the Bible. The Bible teaches that God is all-good, you know, all all-powerful, all-knowing. You know, all um, and then we can learn more about that very same God from the, uh, from the Bible. Um, but it's not a different God, is what I would
1: but, I would say. but then, in terms, because so much as, as I look at my personal statement that I'll give mm-hmm. later, it's so much of that is based on a very specific belief in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. uh, and that the and that my God is defined by my creedal faith—the three ecumenical creeds: Apostle Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed—and mm-hmm. uh, so it's hard. For me to, to make the connection which I think you're trying to do between that God that I confess like this morning in the Apostles' Creed mm-hmm. and the God that, that you have described here um, that, that doesn't give reference to that God in history.
2: So, if there was, so, so, if there was something in like the Creed that you, you would think, oh, if we accept this also, that'll help us deal with the problem of evil. Then I think Christian philosophers would want to say, yeah, let's bring that in. Let's, you know, so or if there's something where you know the incarnation um, helps us deal with the, you know, um, the problem of evil, then yeah, let's let's try to bring that in. But I think um, a lot of the problem and a lot of the potential solutions kind of come about at a um, more generic level, right? So suppose suppose you're, suppose you're dealing with the problem of evil, and someone says, oh, and Jesus is, and if God exists, Jesus is God. Well, that doesn't explain how, that doesn't right there by itself help, you know, allow you to solve the problem of evil. Maybe there's some longer story we could tell where Jesus, you know, so maybe if you think about the the rescue or the extended free will defense, maybe there being an incarnation helps make that more reasonable or something. Uh, But I don't, yeah, but it's hard to see just like adding, oh, and Jesus is God, would solve the problem of evil or or something like that. Other
3: comments? responses?
1: Okay. Uh, the second week, I mean the third week, session three, Evil and the Justice of God in the Old Testament. Uh, the ubiquity of evil, in other words it's everywhere in the Old Testament, it Illustrated, almost every story is illustrated in the ten-stop tour of evil in the Old Testament. Remember? <laughs> we ran through the Old Testament, picked out ten stories in which evil uh, is uh, a primary theme either even the evil of mankind uh, or God's justice which, for the outsider would be considered evil a flood that killed everybody except eight human beings I mean for the person looking from the outside that's horrible I mean that that's Katrina to the 15th mm-hmm. power mm-hmm. Um, so um, So we have those situations in in the Old Testament. Um, And they illustrated Genesis 3, 1-24. That's the story of Adam and Eve um, being cursed. uh, The the man in his work, the woman in her motherhood and in her sexuality and the snake. Um, Genesis chapter 4. Uh, fr- fratricide, the first two brothers, you know, can't get along. Uh, any of us who've had more than one child know that children always don't get along real real
2: easy? I'm about to find this out. Right
1: <laughs> and then, and then uh, the flood. The overarching theological theme of the Old Testament, with some exceptions, is the continual cycle of sin A.K. evil, judgment, A.K. often experienced as evil, and grace, which again and again shows the God about whom Jonah complained, that is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See, that's That's another part of the Old Testament that we dare not forget. And the covenantal relationship that God has with his people illustrates the fact that God, in spite of the continued obstinacy, rebellion, disobedience, he still comes back again and again uh, to, uh, to rescue his people, to give them another chance. And then finally, in the Old Testament... Humans seem to have unlimited freedom to complain to God about their fortunes. <laughs> the Psalms—I mean, some of the Psalms—we uh, can read as, "Whoa, this guy's having a really bad day. <laughs> I mean, just breathe a little bit." Um, and and even uh, taking God head-on in some of the Psalms, uh, calling God out: uh, "Where are you? Why are you? You know, why are you not paying attention? What have I done to deserve this?" Um, the the Book of Job, uh, which is uh, a classic in terms of uh, taking that book as a whole from the first two chapters to the final three chapters and then all the conversation that goes on in between. It's a great way uh, for us to take a look at the, especially the first two chapters are unbelievably difficult to understand because Job becomes the pawn of a power struggle between God and Satan. Uh, and it's and you, I, it's difficult to understand it in any other way but that um, and Job becomes the pawn and has to suffer extraordinary things the loss of his wealth, the loss of his children, and the loss of his health uh, and the loss of his mental well-being to the point that he is suicide I mean this this is devastating all because there is this thing going on between God and see, and then and then in the midst of that, Job has the audacity to say, "Are we to receive good at the hands of God and not evil?" See, and and you're going to hear that echoed in my personal statement at the end of the class. That that attitude, and then finally, uh, the uh, Abraham and Moses, all those people who you know took God on, and I should also mention Lamentations. These, these poems of lament why things are so bad. So that would be for me a, a quick look at the theme of evil in the Old Testament and how to understand that. So when people come at you clicking out some of these stories, um, if you can remember sin, judgment, grace, because it, 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 it's something it, it it's Oh gosh, it's almost as good as stop dropping ball. It's almost as good. One of the words is two syllables, unfortunately, but it still works. Sin, judgment, and then grace. That, that God's grace is the trump card that is played uh, to overcome that. And that is that is a theme throughout the Old Testament. Um, and so when people say, oh, the Old Testament is all about. Law, well, you just, all oh, that's not true. That is simply not true, that God's grace runs through um, the Old Testament. Questions or comments on this chapter?
2: Well, I'll ask you a question <laughs> Okay. Oh, okay, here we go. So, okay. um, when we read some, you know, in Joshua, when God says something that seems nasty to us nowadays like you know kill every living thing in the town or something Um, how did so can we say oh what's really going on is God's teaching us through these stories this cycle sin desert grace and we shouldn't believe that this literally happened or should we still believe it literally he literally said that and he's teaching us about this cycle or how do you how do you see how do you address like the really hard you know, commands from God or something in the Old Testament?
1: It depends on a person's view of Scripture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, if your faith is based on the uh, inviability of Scripture, on the fact that it is God's inspired Word, um, if your faith is based on that, then yes, all of these things have to be taken into um, the And And that Moves dangerously close to making the Bible the focus of our security and our faith, rather than what I think is very clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God should be the one that we focus our faith on. So, because I come out of that tradition, I'm very respectful of people who say that these are literally true. This is what God has done. Um, But um, I also realize That um, in terms of people who are committed Christians who do not base their faith on the literal, inerrant inspiration of Holy Scripture, that their faith uh, will take a look at those stories in a a different way. Um, And I think you introduced um, the hyperbole, Mm -hmm. you know, that this was a way, and um, and also in some uh, to understand that the victory chronicles of the ancient Near East tended to be reflected in the totalitarian descriptions of everybody being killed, men, women, and children. Um, Jericho, uh, archaeological evidence says that Jericho is not the great city that, that we celebrated in Vacation Bible School last
4: year. Was it last year or the year before? But it Jericho? was in 1550. What? But it was in 1550. The issue is the timeline. The timeline, yeah. Because the the archaeologists, like the later pharaohs for the Exodus, what we have, Jericho in 1550 as having, it's a huge, massive, profound wall. Oh, okay. So, I don't trust the archaeologists better than I trust the Old Testament. Uh, They're they're still finding out way too many things. Excellent. Thank you. And that, I think... We have to be aware
1: that whenever uh, we are dealing with these kind of matters, there's going to be two sides, and and we should not simply because somebody does not agree with us, we should not disparage them and say you know they're out to destroy the Bible or destroy God uh, or that these people are naive in believing uh, literally these things. Uh, we have to be tolerant of that and find our own way in terms of how we believe and how we confess our faith uh, and that is why I think um, the uh, the unsatisfactory but very clear and distinct confession of faith in the Apostles Creed Nicene Creed Athanasian Creed it works it works but it doesn't answer all those questions
5: That's, yes yeah you, know, you touched on one thing that I've always struggled with when you're reading stuff in the Bible you know whether it it's just literally absolutely you know true fact or I think sometimes there's a little exaggeration or metaphors in there, like when Christ says, if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. If your feet, you know, cut off your foot. I don't think anyone really expects him to, or to, to, to follow be God. God. We need to pull out our <laughs> eye because we sin. You know? yeah. So I think there's some, like you said, skepticism. I've made it not the right word, but some interpretation that maybe everything is not totally literal in there. But um, that's kind of my thought that I've, I've struggled with when I read stuff. It's, Thank you.
0: All of which precludes the relationship as the first important thing, and that's the L, the listen. Yeah. It includes a relationship between you and God, and then it, reclu- it requires a relationship between you and the person
6: who you are speaking with.
1: We'll
6: get to that in a little Okay. Bit. okay. Um, real quick, and I'm really sorry I missed this particular class, but did we have time to touch on some of the societal evil um, that was part of the Old Testament like the sacrificing of children and all those some of those really serious pagan instances that pretty objectively could be defined as evil. Mm -hmm. Do we have time to kind of like look and touch on that Mm -hmm. during the class? Because that's something I would think about in these Old Testament scenarios too is that um, the judgment may seem harsh at first glance but if you really dig into what was happening in a lot of these pagan communities pretty objectively evil things were going on as part of the societal norms. So I just kind of thought that was a piece of the puzzle too.
4: Thank you. And, and we do hear about cities where, that are put to the end of the sword dedicated to destruction for reasons that aren't stated, but I'm sure they were known to the original audience. Mm-hmm. They're just lost to us. And in some instances, the reason it's Gamora. good more.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Um, let's move on. Okay, good. so session four was so the problem of divine hiddenness. And you could kind of see this as maybe an aspect of the problem of evil, or like one type of evil. Like, why is God, you know, not more obvious to people, right? You know, why are there people who say, yeah, it doesn't seem to me that God exists. I don't, you know. Why didn't God sort of like spell out in the stars? Hey, I'm here. I love you. You know, or something like that, right? Um, so, so um, uh So the the basic argument goes like this. Look, a relationship with God is a great good for people, but to have a relationship or a really good relationship, Christians would say a saving relationship with God, you need to believe in God, right? Um, And uh, in order to... uh, And so, if that's true, if there's this great good that requires belief in God, then why wouldn't a loving God want to put everyone in a position... To believe, right why wouldn't God make uh, his existence obvious to people so that every reasonable person um, would believe right so that's sort of the, the problem um, so we talked about a couple uh, re- responses so one that I, I really like so so did we share the um, we didn't share the reading list yet with the, with the group or um it's on the... Uh, it's on the back, the back. of oh, yeah. this. Oh, it's in the separate sheet. sheet. Okay, so, so, so I put an article by me, a co-authored article by me on there, but I wish I had read the Dustin Crummet article before I wrote my article, because I would have said some things differently. Uh-oh. Um, okay, yeah, good. Um, oh, we didn't Oh, yeah, journal articles, yeah, so... So a, few years, so a few years ago, I wrote this skepticism about the argument from divine hiddenness uh, with, with a friend. Um, and we said, basically, you have to be skeptical theists because there's no other response that really works. Um, but then I read a few years later this article by Dustin Crummett, where he gives this uh, responsibility um, response, which I think is pretty good. So the idea there is God wants us to be responsible you know, for helping each other. Come to know God and come to have a relationship with God. So God sort of like entrusts the church with, you know, you know you spread the news about me. You get the word out, right? And, um, and the thought is, if God just made it obvious that he exists, then we wouldn't be really responsible for helping each other uh, learn about God because everyone would already know. And so God sort of hides so that we can make a difference and help each other uh, learn about God. And... Um, and, and, that, and so the idea is, um, sometimes we've screwed up. The church hasn't done a perfect job, and we've failed sometimes in our responsibilities, and that's why there's some hiddenness. Some people reasonably don't, don't know about God. Um, so I think that's a pretty cool uh, response. Um, let's see, on, on point three there, I won't, mention, I won't go back through all of them. You can look back at the handout. But another interesting one is the improper response. Defense. So the improper response defense says, um, says, look, some people, God doesn't just want people to believe, right? Even the demons believe, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, it's not good for them. Um, God wants you to believe and then enter into a, a good relationship with them. So if he knows some people won't respond well, uh, he won't. He has no reason to reveal himself because it won't do any good, right? It might actually backfire. Maybe some people will say, "Well, then I hate you, God, if you exist," right? So that won't do anybody any good. Um, and uh, a related, another version of this is the I might call it the ideal response defense. God's waiting for the perfect time to reveal himself to each person when they'll have the best possible response that they might have, and so he, so he's waiting. You know, why doesn't you know John? Or some, you know, some person John know yet about God because God's waiting to a a better time to reveal Himself. I think there's something uh, to that one too. Um, and then you can go skeptical theist here and you can say, look, just like we wouldn't expect to know why God allows evils, we wouldn't expect to know God's reasons for remaining hidden. Like uh, God's so much smarter than us, He might see a reason to remain hidden, to not make His existence obvious to everyone that we don't know about. So you can be a skeptical theist uh, here as well. So those are some of the the responses.
1: And then from uh, traditional Christian theological standpoint, especially um, 16th century uh, Luther would be the Deus Absconditus, where God uh, hides part of himself uh, in order to protect us from uh, those aspects of his being that our understanding of him or our faith in him would not survive. So, um, and that, that for me has been a powerful fallback when I come across things that I can't reckon with. Uh, the, uh, the skeptical theist approach that um, who, who am I to know why God would keep That part of himself hidden. And the counterpoint to that, of course, always is to look at where God does reveal himself. And that's where Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, becomes such an important thing because Paul um, is speaking to the Jewish people for whom Jesus as Messiah was hidden. You know, and that is why um, in these last days God has spoken to us through his son Jesus Christ. taking back the veil, the breaking the, the, the symbol of the veil, that uh, now, now we're going to see where God is. And so whenever we, I think in our uh, part of our response is that when we confront the hiddenness of God is to flip the coin and say, where do we find God? And where, where is he revealed? And there um, in Vacation Bible School, this uh, of makes me creepy a little bit at times, but in vacation Bible school, we do God sightings. God sightings, and it's like, hmm, okay, I guess so, maybe. <laughs> so, um, but but that takes another perspective of seeing God uh, revealing himself in in ways in his creation and in his serendipitous. Uh, uh, for the Christian, there are no coincidences, etc. Okay. Um, Can we move on? Okay, um, session number five. Uh, In the New Testament, your go-to people is Jesus and St. Paul uh, when you confront evil. Uh, The radical nature of the kingdom of God is proclaimed by Jesus, reframed many bad things as blessings. The Beatitudes are such a a great illustration of that. Jesus confronts evil bad things in two places, Luke 13, 1-5, and in John 19. Summary, summary, Suffering is not proportional to sinfulness. Remember, that was the default theodicy of the disciples and of first century Judaism. Bad things happened. Those Galileans came down here um, and uh, uh, Herod's Herod's troops went into the temple and slaughtered them in the temple. Oh! I mean, this was horrible. They obviously deserved it. You know, they were... um, the the, uh, the man born blind, whose sin was it? Was it his parents' sin, or was it the child's sin in utero that he blasphemed God, that God had him born blind? Uh, tragedy is not the sign of God's uh, sin. Uh, not a sign of God's judgment. It's not, sing yeah, it's not, it's not a sign. Yeah, it's not a sign of God's judgment. Bad things happen to good people and bad people. We do not have the right to make judgments about why bad things happen, and it goes. All of those have qualifications. Uh, how many remember Rachel Carlson's Silent Spring? You know that that classic, which which helped us to understand that bad things that were happening in the environment were actually caused. Was, was it DDT? Yeah. Uh, yeah. DDT was. Yeah. So. so the foolishness of God, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 17 13, recasts both Eastern and Western thought about the nature of God and where God is to be found. God is not to be found in mighty, mighty acts, that was the Old Testament, or wisdom, Greek philosophy, but the flower of God is revealed in the message of Christ's death on the cross. Romans 7 9 defines Paul. Um, Paul's helplessness as a human to overcome personal evil. and good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body? Yes, poor Paul. And then uh, Paul's celebration of life in the Spirit and affirming himself as children of God before triumphantly announcing that evil suffering has no power over the love of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> chapter 8. In the family that I grew up in, Romans 8 was a go-to chapter... When tragedy struck either in our family or in the congregation, there was a suicide, a tragic death. Dad, dad, dad would gather us in, in the living room of the parsonage, and we go to Romans chapter eight. Uh, and then chapters nine through eleven, Paul struggle with the horror of his own people, um, who birthed Jesus, rejecting Jesus of Nazareth as the promised Messiah. And I um, and I just can't commend those three chapters to you enough. Uh, if you want to get into the personal agony of someone who is struggling with the seeming incongruity of God who, who covenanted with his people and sent Jesus to have his own people reject him, that's where Paul is. Um, I also need to mention uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, and I apologize it's not there because character building. Is, is part of Hebrews chapter twelve, endure what you suffer as being a father's punishment. At the present time, it's something not pleasant, but later you reap the reward of a of a righteous life. So Hebrews chapter twelve is also to good Okay,
6: uh, we are now going to move in. Yes. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to make a comment on the scenarios I posed. Okay. Well, and I didn't realize they were going to be the only scenarios. Um, <laughs> well, when Pastor asked me, it was. Kind of, I tried to think of instances in my own life where I wished I had taken this class and the first instance happened literally after the first class we took. I was doing a presentation on mental health, <clears throat> psychiatric health and faith for teenagers in Northern Virginia and I was a panelist and after our presentations and our whole day of discussion that was really good, a little 14-year-old girl posed one of the scenarios that was very real in her life and then the second experience I had, I, I worked in hospice for a number of years and when I was in Nebraska, We had three pediatric cases in six months. And uh, people who work in hospice are are very good at end-of-life care. Um, But the three pediatric cases almost broke us. Um, Seasoned nurses, doctors, social workers, psychologists. We brought in counselors. We brought in therapists. Um, And over those six months, the question of why and how, and it came up a lot. So that's kind of why I picked the scenarios. Okay. Uh, So we're going to...
1: Those five people, if the three of you can turn around and join Alexander and then Elizabeth and Linda, if you can come over here and bring your chair and uh, join this is not Angela, but it's Harriet. Harriet, Harriet, Harriet um join these. The, the six of you and the six of you. So the three of you turn around. And uh, you have you have scenario number two. You have scenario number one. You have scenario number two. Uh, you can make that? <coughs> I don't have the answer to this. Are <laughs> This is my answer. Counting on you, this, oh, yeah. oh, Lord. This is... This is what we want you to do. Okay. Um ahead and this, and then you? We want you... Um, some, someone in your group needs to be willing to be a reporter. So if somebody can simply... You don't necessarily have to write it down, but uh, maybe that would help. Uh, because um, there are two different scenarios. Scenario number one, scenario number two. Um, and I want you to talk about that scenario from the perspective of the class that we have had. And um, Phil and I are going to um, talk about those scenarios because we have not had a chance to talk about that. So we're going to sit up here and do our own we discussion with the book. Do. So um, does everybody have... Um, so so read the scenario to your group, and then um, start the conversation. How much time do we have? Um, you have 10 minutes. Okay. So that, that's a lot of time. 10 minutes is good. Okay
2: year a no, to be a good witness support. Missy and distraught over The
3: conversation yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: the caregivers. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's, it's you're, like, you're yeah. you're, Missy is struggling Missy, now because your friend is okay. so, so, friends. Friends. so okay. how are you going so to
2: respond to that? friend? her? let she's the trying to I'm sorry. So in
6: the scenario, Missy is to the girl. Fourteen year old girl, Christian school, very hard to be a witness to her friend. You uh, have a other
2: dying by suicide. Yeah. Maybe, like, the like, like first day what she, she was in that second conversation So
5: I was like, oh, it was a part. And then I just, yeah, like, practice practice. And, uh, so what is what we what we've learned about it in this class that like we're after?
6: Yeah. So like,
5: how would how would we respond to this class? Yeah, that's how we it. I would say. Yeah, I like that. I always to say it's the good of something that i all to find out uh, well, what, yeah, what is missing, what is missing much. We're going to miss child, that's also not very fulfilling the thing you know, we oh, oh, yeah, so, yeah. will
0: be together with the yeah. I would yeah. 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 The like the stages of This so, yeah. I mean, you, her question right? wanted,
2: yeah. how did yeah. I it? Yeah. I, I used yeah. to to yeah. where was God's yeah. in this? Yeah. And so, yeah. this letting doesn't say what you're really if, you if you are, are if, going she, if you're like, I friend, it as she, she doesn't so we agree it's very but we don't know why. She's, she's probably probably a
3: cancer patient at yeah. we'll the hospital. He was actually Well, over to you know, right? to you take that too. to exit scene.
6: I was thankful that her mom last was out there. Was so, so I did bring it up for her And I was trying to find out part of the reason they do this panel every year. So I was thankful that she at least had that support yeah, system yeah, in her <laughs> life. When you're you know, 14 a 14-year-old kid, you're not always going to reach out to the You're probably going to reach out to yeah. Yeah. First. Yeah. Um, the peers first. I guess what I did was face. I just was, I, I think I, I listened, but I kind of jumped to validate right. because like, for the day I just said, you know, that must be really scary and I'm so sorry you lost your friend and yeah. you just if kind of For me, I started of common ground. Mm-hmm. Any um, any you know, I, I did tell her, you know, yeah. meet the and the Bible teaches us that God is a God of mercy, and that the Holy Spirit can work miracles. I mm-hmm. mean, um, so you know, the Holy Spirit works through mm-hmm. us, and it sounds like we did everything right? you could, and, and you have yeah. to just kind yeah. of, you know, rest you know, secure that in that, so which
3: I don't think as is so is much comfort as yeah. yeah. it, it
6: could. It's it so much so more
0: difficult.
6: but It was like five minutes by now. And for with the, mom and the girl talking together. The girl asked the question, and the mom was kind of I think, I think maybe the, the mom had this conversation with her she's daughter But the mom was she's surprised to hear that she was So I was in and that's the girl had some support. But, I mean, I tried to put myself in her position. I had people she's she's saying they don't say guys, they don't want really her to you not. I, way, I know I probably asked
1: them the same the questions that they asking. Where did I try end up? any <laughs> like, Loses a baby. No, the child. Oh, well, I, I like a, your, your, concept yeah, you your, your concept of validation you never know how long we have yeah and you might I have shouldn't feel and that maybe her encouragement she has to stay
4: we oh, have a loving God. God and we have each and we have to God. And, strong for God. Yeah. And, um, and and really and God. God. Give her
1: strength. Uh, we, and we can't know so, that. Right,
4: right. yes, so God is there. i not going to to
2: it. it. to yeah, she's, really good. she's fearful that this is I the I also have, it's like, you know She needs. to It's like, I'm one of these type of people who- <laughs> I was so <laughs> <So, laughs> so well, so not so bad, I I'll with But there are some people are frustrating so you
0: really
2: you know, maybe she does have a little Or maybe you figure
3: that out in the board. Uh, so. Yeah. It's yeah, friend, i think can always do
2: I'm well. we help, well, we had a little so, so bit they said she was really smart. I mean, yeah, they said it's probably fine, but you always have you know, to see exactly what they said. You want to do extra ten, you want to do extra one but they're but and not they're as emotionally attached, attached to the person as you, you are like your I think one of things might be about I don't know Jesus is that that I ever- you- it's a topic or yeah is it here not about so, trying I so, explain so, why I not about that I don't I do yeah, yes, but the yeah. there oh, right? yeah. 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 oh, is to that a moment it really helped to grab that yeah. subway it's Somebody who has a
1: And such us today. That guy did But you know that hospice nurse said to get don't you? Know, don't you think? Well, no, without a down. Without well, a So that's a process. Process. <coughs> to step back I understand. how you I I I understand. You understand. I understand. I understand. I I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <is my> <laughs> to so, so I, we didn't hear what you said okay. uh, mm-hmm. it, Ten minutes is <laughs> up so, um, Let's reassemble Scenario number one uh, For those of you who had scenario number two This is scenario number one Missy is, is a 14- year old high school student who has a close friend who says she does not believe in Jesus and suffers from severe depression. Missy tries to be a good witness to her friend and support her. The friend commits suicide. Mrs. Missy feels powerless and is brought over her friend's faith. The conversation with Missy begins. So who had scenario number one? One and two. Okay, so two of you had um... So let's go with this group first. Um, where did your complications go?
0: Okay, I'll just, I'll just quickly read through what we had. With okay. No comment. Okay, so so how would we respond is what we were okay. talking about. Okay, listening, trying to determine what Missy's need is. Okay. Um, with, with the caveat that her presenting need... Um, of, you know, not trusting that she did enough may eventually get to be, but God didn't do enough. You know? Yeah, um, sure. but So she needs to get that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Talking. Um, asking, uh, you know, yourself, we, we, I mean, Caitlin's in this moment of five minutes with this girl, but where is the support system? Oh, Who is cool. the gift of that trusted friend? Okay. Um, seeking that out. It's possible, admitting it's possible we may that she may never have an answer to this that's certainly a scriptural answer um, from listening uh, you have to validate that this is you know that this is not looks I mean, you know, like okay yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know no. but we need we need to admit that um what she's feeling and asking and and grieving over is real and true and valid and this is good to do this um, um that we have to grapple with the issue of exactly what the class was about, the existence of a loving God in a world that is equal. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's yeah. that. Um, that there's a listening I mean, we eventually want her to understand not only the listener, the friend listener, but that we have a listening God who in the stories that we read in the Old Testament, yes. you know and the stories of Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, a weeping God, um, and the sto- and the stories that come out in the Psalms, which you mentioned, God listens. He's always there, never leaving forsaking. That there could be, a, let's face it, deathbed conversion. There's, there's a moment of death that Missy doesn't know about
3: yes. that what has happened.
0: And then, uh, that it, and I, I think we understand this, but, but not that I understand how you feel, because I don't understand how you feel, Missy. But if if the listener can say, oh, man, when I've had something like that, here's what I have done. Not not in a pontifical way. I mean that takes a long time. Because see, it, it took a long time to even get that. But that, that would be a, an authentic response as opposed to pontificating. Thank you.
4: Well thank them. The other group. We focus more on the, on, the, on the edges of the scenario itself and, and what the situation was. And so our first question is, this is, this is clinical depression. Oh, okay. Because from a scientific point of view, the question of depression means that the uh, suicide may not have been an act of her own will, but in fact may have been a uh, manifestation of the illness, in which case... That would not by itself stand as as a, a mortal sin. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Approaching it from
4: that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, the, the other important thing is that given that um, there is there is what the friend had witnessed represented an opportunity for salvation. We would never know until until the next life whether that opportunity was seized but uh, the issue being there was nothing better a friend could have done thank you you. scenario number two is this
1: Robert is an eight year old cancer patient in pediatric hospice Eli is an infant with Tay-Sachs and he is also in pediatric hospice Ruth, a Christian friend has worked as a hospice nurse but now is burned out over coffee, she admits that her faith has been weakened and is angry. She has learned to love Robert and Eli. Both are near death. She breaks down and weeps.
5: So, um, Jim, you want to go first? No, we, we first started talking about you know some of the things that probably aren't the best way to try to comfort someone in this situation. Like, well, you know, those children are they're in a better place. You know, they'll never suffer again. And, and, and like John said, that, that comes up really hollow and you know, almost like. Hostile to the person who's you know grieving, you know that's not the right thing. So what we focused on is, you know, try to use your faith as a, as a means of discussion with the person who's grieving. The situation, the you know, hospice nurse, try to just tell them to have faith, and then also to uh, try to turn to God for comfort, and turn to others around you, you know, loved ones and friends, for comfort. You know, don't don't go this alone because that's what's very tough in those, those situations. And also, similar to the way, you know, one you know, of the brought up was about like uh, doctors and things. You know, you said, why would you ever want to be a doctor? Because the people I help outweighs the people who I couldn't help. And so you might have the caregiver focus on how many people and grieving family members they've helped in the past through their hospice work or care. And, you know, don't co- concentrate on a particular. You know, person who's dying, but just think about all the people I've helped in this uh, career path. And... Okay, thank you. And this table?
1: you want to? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, well, um, we started out by looking at, uh, you know, obviously
0: listen, listen and, and try to draw her out and, and feel, you know, why she's giving up.
3: Um, your fault that these children are dying. Um, you know, that with your hands, you're there to comfort them and give the medicine to do what you do. Um, and since we were told that she's a Christian, then see if we can pray with her. Point things out, like we've been pointing out in Scripture that where evil doesn't exist. It's, I don't okay.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we have now.
2: Can I say or what your your guys thought about like the things that sound, the things you don't want to say. I think because I'm one of these people who if something if I'm grieving and I hear everything works out for the good or everything happens for a reason, I genuinely find that encouraging. So I had to learn. No, not everyone genuinely wants to hear that when they're yeah. So that's where it's like listening and really knowing who you're talking to.
1: Okay, so what we're handing out is Uh, The groups and our way of putting together um, a fallback, stop, drop, and roll response. And we've heard some of these themes already. So everybody have one of these? Okay. Uh, Listen for L. I identify, validate, and explain. Uh, a quick primer on responding to the question that never goes away, and that's Philip Yancey's book. Uh, listen, out of respect for the person who trusts us with his or her anguish the question, our first responsibility seems to hear the person out rather than commit the sin of the pet answer, which for Philip
2: is what he wants to hear. Isn't that interesting?
1: Very good. I identify four four critical areas, the person's situation. The person's religious background, we've heard that mentioned, you know, Christian, um, your immediate response is the question something with which you have personally struggled. If so, use caution, because the immediate impulse will be shared your way of understanding or your inability to get beyond it. You know, that cut that might be, you know, this is, I happen to be in this i of gun, and that, that may be important for you to say, but it may not be helpful for the person. That you're and then finally, identify the nature of the relationship. Is it likely to be a one-time conversation? Has this come up you're sitting next to somebody on the plane? You've got two hours with them and you'll never see them again? And sometimes those conversations surface, you know, over against somebody, a family member, a sibling, or a, or a child, you know, where we're going to have an ongoing relationship. Again, all of those factors play into how we're going to respond. Validate, we heard that word back there. You know, Validate, consider what has been shared with you as a gift. And then finally, the best way to validate the person is by expressing gratitude and empathizing. It is important that we don't dismiss the question or situation as being easy or not. And then finally, 1 Peter 3.15, if someone asks about the hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. What is key? It's the first four words.
3: <laughs> if, asks.
1: if anyone asks, <laughs> see, you've got to be ready. Um, and if people don't ask, if you feel the situation is right, you ask permission. If, could I share with you um, how I've dealt with this? How to do that uh, humbly. Um, in responding, to the face of Christ will also, always reflect humility. Okay,
3: so this is for you to, yes, please. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. No. Um, that's it. It's, it's written right here. This is for you to take. We have extra copies
1: if you want to give it to or laminate and put it in your refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <coughs> oh, I like it. We, we are going to submit this to Pickle, which is our honor. We have a subscription for... Uh, Desk publishing and come up with all the creative stuff and then try to come up with something,
0: mm-hmm. maybe color. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I, I'm thinking, and, I, and I regret that I wasn't here for the first three weeks, because I, I may say things that you've already said, but I feel like, you know, I used to go into to high schools and talk about chastity, okay, sexual freedom but within boundaries, and and, how, and, and we would talk about, well, how do you know the way when you're in a relationship with some guy? I'll put it in terms of the girl, that's usually how we talk. How, uh, what that person's, how that person's going to treat you in the future. Well, you usually look at the past. And I think, you know, anybody's character will have been revealed usually in their past. And so if they've been an unfaithful friend to others or to you, you can probably figure out. And, and I think that, that comes into the relationship with God. And that's why telling the stories over and over and over, are so important. I was just looking at Psalm 78 yesterday and today. You know, it's, well, it's just what you said, Phil. You know, g- that the people don't listen and they, they complain about manna and, you know, why don't we have garlic and leeks and onions <laughs> and and I'm with them on that, you know. <laughs> but it's how has God revealed, what, what is his nature revealed to be in the past? And it is faithful always faithful. And I don't say you ever say this to the person, but that's why I think our job here in adult education, in, in education of children, in our worship, is to make sure those stories get told over and over. I'm on a, a soapbox, so I'll back off. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, in the, in the early church, um, you know, they had classes on martyrdom, getting ready to give your life for your faith. Um, because they knew you weren't just going to one day wake up and say, "Man, I'm as, as strong as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego." So no, you 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 have to learn that God is faithful, and then maybe you can put your life on the line, or you can enter suffering with that kind of faith. That Philip, you're saying, "Yeah, tell me that God God's got this in control." <laughs> anyway, that's enough of a sofa. Okay.
1: <laughs> um. Both of us have prepared statements
2: about how we handle it, and Phil, you can go okay. so, so let me say one thing about the last step before I do that. But so okay. um, I think a lot of the stuff we talked about in this class, I think you guys rightly saw, that's not the first thing you bring up when someone comes to you and they're grieving or suffering, right? I think the stuff we've talked about is more useful when, you know, the 16-year-old comes to you, they're not angry they and say, they say, I'm just wondering if... Christianity makes sense and I'm worried about that you know um, and that's more when a lot of the topics of the class will be useful or your friend who's an atheist says you know well why do you think God, you know but they're not angry they're just you know wanting to figure things out with you you know I think that that might be more where some of the stuff is 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 useful um, okay so so why do I believe in a good God despite the badness in the world uh, so first i think god has revealed himself to me in, in sometimes in very powerful experiences um there's two types of spiritual experiences that i that i take a lot of that mean a lot to me one is like when i've been grieving or suffering i've sometimes felt the presence of god and god saying um i'm here i'm with you i love you um and the other one that um I it, sometimes just in, in worship, singing a hymn or something. Like that, mm-hmm. I'll just be overwhelmed by the truth. Like, this is the most true thing in the world that Jesus died for my mm-hmm. sins. Yeah. And those might be enough for me, even if I had no response to the problem at all. I might just hang my hat on those. say, "No, I know that was real, so I know this is true. Um, but there are other things that make it easier for me. Um, things some of what we've talked about in the class already, so i I'll go through those. Um, so, first, we don't need one answer that applies to every evil. So, you don't have to find, aha, the magic bullet that explains every evil all at once, right? It could be that one, the free will defense works for some things, you know, a soul building defense works for others, and some, yeah, we're skeptical theists about those. Those are the hard ones. And we, we say we don't know why God allows, allows those evils, right? Um, and I found that very... You know, I don't have to find one thing that does everything. I can use several different approaches uh, that might help, or help, or even maybe this partially explains the evil, but doesn't fully explain the evil. I found that uh, helpful. Um, and, and jump in, if you have a question at any point along the way here, uh, jump in it too. Um, okay, second thing... Um, the power of skeptical theism. This is kind of like, when all else fails for me, I can say, wait a minute. I, you know, I don't expect to know everything, all God's reasons. I shouldn't expect to know. So it's not that surprising to me that there's this evil. That, it's still weird, and that's not what I thought you would do, God. But it's not so incredibly surprising, given the difference between me and God, given how much bigger and smarter God is than me. Uh, the third thing. Um, so a lot of you know a lot of people have said, "Look, if there's a perfect God, then this should be the best of all possible worlds." And this doesn't look like the best of all possible worlds. So why? You know, what's going on? Why wouldn't a perfect God create the best of all possible worlds? Uh, well, one thing I found helpful here is I don't believe that there is a best of all possible worlds. I think for any world you can imagine you could imagine it getting even better, right? So imagine a really awesome universe or world, right? Well, now imagine God just adds one more planet with half, full of happy people, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like he could always do that. He could always make things better, right? So I don't think that there is some best that, oh, God would definitely pick this best world. Maybe God's just going to pick a really great world. Uh, and maybe our world, although not the best, because there is no best, is a really great world, and a world that God would say, yeah, you know, this is a good world. I'll, I'll choose. I'll choose this one. Um, so does that does that make sense? The why there might not be a best possible world. Um, what about the thought that heaven is the best possible? World? Yeah, good. Uh, so heaven, I take to be part of part of the whole. But the world is everything. Heaven's part of the world. Um, so even, take take just heaven, right? Um, well, God could, so say there's eight, 80 trillion happy people in heaven, God could make one more happy person in heaven, and then heaven would be even better, or something. You know, so, uh, <laughs> there'd be even more happy people in heaven. Or, um, even if God's already created infinitely many happy people in heaven, He could still create a new person, Bob. <laughs> who would be happy in heaven? Um, so even if even in heaven, you might think it could get better by more adding more happy people to to heaven or something. Um, does that make sense? No. No. Okay. <laughs> so heaven is so. It's great if there's one happy person in heaven. Right? It'd be even better if there were two. on <laughs> that? Okay. Um. Go on. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, yeah, okay. That's, that's the idea. That you can always add more good. Um, okay, the fourth uh, thing is um, this responsibility defense. That, you know, maybe the reason evils happen is that God wants us to be responsible for improving each other's lives. And I think one thing that helps me see that as useful is the possibility of eternal significance of our relationships. So I'll speculate about heaven again. <laughs> uh, maybe heaven is better because we can say, yeah, remember back on Earth when you helped me out? Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be part of a, bond, a heavenly bond that we have uh, with each other. OK. Um, last thing, do I have time for one more yeah. or, OK. So on so this one, I'm a complete lay person because I'm not a theologian. Um, but on the hard biblical passages that we've talked about. Um, I take comfort in the, the move I mentioned from uh, John Wesley where he said, I don't know what it means, but it can't mean that. <laughs> I don't know what the passages in Joshua that are really hard mean, but I know they can't mean that God is mean or that God is evil, because I know God is good. So I take a lot of comfort in if, you know, not being a biblical scholar, not knowing the best interpretation, it's just saying I can't. It can't mean that God is is evil. Okay, so I Okay, thank you.
1: Uh, we're out of time. Oh, <laughs> can we take a couple more minutes? Oh, okay. As I age, I am continually humbled by the way that my upbringing continues to shape my present understanding of God the intrafamilial dynamics of the Trinity, and the ongoing paradoxes that I, as a confessing Christian, continue to live with. Because of my childhood, in which the Bible was held in sacred status, I have continued to have a love-fear relationship with the God, whose revelation in Scripture drives me nuts. Emerging from the cocoon of the parochial Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod German communities in St. Charles, Missouri, Southern Illinois, and the dirt poor farmers of Central Texas was a slow but exciting process. I was launched into the world outside by a host of professors who for the most part were products and had been raised in the same LCMS cocoon, but saw their role to help their students see the world beyond. I should mention that the professors of German, Latin, Hebrew and Greek did not fall in that category. They had no interest in us beyond moving in the language they were trying to teach. A critical informative year after seminary at the Presbyterian School of Christian Education was finally an immersion into a different Christian cocoon. My family history, along with 40 years of pastoral ministry that included 25 years as pastoral psychotherapist, along with now almost nine years of reflective retirement, leaves me with these unanswered questions. Why was my sister, Paula Hope, still born in July 6, 1941? Why were my two older brothers gifted in ways that I was not? Why the devastation of mental illness that destroys the lives of individuals and families and that almost took my sister to death? Why do some people thrive in the midst of adversity, regardless of faith or lack of faith, and others, regardless of lack of faith or faith, are crushed and never recovered? And finally, why do some believe and others not believe? So as I approach the good God who I love and worship, and the bad world that seeks my destruction and will eventually see my death, I begin with the introduction to and the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I summarize those four phrases with, God is God, and I am not. Why I begin there is tribute to the power of the gospel, the good news message that God Incarnate in Jesus Christ, deemed to love, to save me through the death and resurrection of Jesus. My experience with those I know in family, those in the congregation that I served and am now part of, convinced me that Luther, in his explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed, has it correct. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my word, or come to him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightening with his gift, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. And in the same way, he calls, gathers, and lights a whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. Because of this, I believe all the past answers I hate. (laughs) All things work together for good to those who love God. I believe that. I believe that it's important to love, let go, and let God. I believe that God is good all the time and that all the time God is good. I believe that God is God and I am not. I hate those pet answers, but I believe them with every part of my soul.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And very similar to Dr. Phil in terms of those pet answers can work for Dr. Phil, but for other people who are in the midst of it, they do not work. But my faith, my relationship with God is an ongoing process in which those answers continue to be tried in the crucible of my life. Part of my calling and purpose in life is to walk beside in respectful conversation with those who travel with or without a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Annotated bibliography you have. Let's close with the um, prayer. And we, the uh, two of us, hang around and talk to us together. Again, the closing prayer: Bless the Lord, Lord, who has caused God. all the holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may, in such wise, hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of Thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever God, ever without end. Amen. Thank
0: you all. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.